This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, May 28th, 2020. And my guest is no other than the awesome Richard Lai of Engadget. Hi, Richard. How are you? Hello. Hey, very good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm okay. You know, it's, uh, well, as you know, it's midnight over here, but yeah, it's it's just good to hang out with you, you know, <laughs> virtually. Richard Lai, <laughs> direct from Hong Kong, just the way we like him. <laughs> Delivered fresh. <laughs> so I hear you've got some things to say about about HTC. You want to start with that? Oh, well, it's not directly well, HTC, it's not HTC, right? It's ex-HTC. Exactly. So former HTC CEO, Peter Chow, uh, he's uh, now doing something else. Um, so he's basically uh, doing a startup, you know, which is surprising for a guy like him, you know. Um, so it turns out that over the last three years, he's been building up a startup called XR Space, and as you can tell by the name, it's something to do with, uh, you know, VR or AR or MR, whatever. Right? Yeah, That's mixed what the X- reality, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So, and finally, um, earlier this week, he uh, his startup finally launched their first product, which is called the Mova M O V A. That's their first VR headset, and it is Ooh. the first VR headset in the world to have. Um, 5G radio inside. I'm surprised about that. Like somehow with Qualcomm having so many 5G announcements around VR in Hawaii last December, mm-hmm. we would have someone else by now. I guess only the, the dev kits or whatever, the development systems from Qualcomm have had that so far. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of, this is actually not... Uh, f- I think it's not Qualcomm's 5G solution here, even though the oh. headset is powered by a Qualcomm processor. Yeah. Interesting. How is that even possible? Because, I mean, if you're using a Qualcomm processor, like, a, what is it, the Snapdragon 845 Correct. Uh, or 865 VR version, whatever, there's a special edition for that. Mm. Because I think there's no 55. There's a 45 and a 65. So this one is using a 845 still, which, you know, you, if you think, of, if you compare it to the smartphone market, it sounds a little outdated, but that's actually what the latest crop of standalone VR headsets are using, including this one. So I actually asked Peter Chow about it because, you know, after the launch, I, I got several messages from people in the industry saying, hey, doesn't like Qualcomm say no to offering 5G to anything older than the 855? And as you said, there's no A55 for VR, right? So so I messaged Peter. I'm like, dude, what's the deal with this? What's the secret? Because I, I just... I love how you're like, you're like, dude. Like, it's like, you know, you guys are so tight that you can just call him dude. It's great. I, I, that's literally how I talk to him on, like, whatever. We, we on message, WeChat? Yeah, whatever, we me- yeah. yeah, we message each other. And and uh, and he knows. <laughs> he, he's, he, he's fully aware of people being surprised by this 845 uh, headset running with 5G. So, But he told me anyway. So here it is. Uh, he, he got his engineers to add a modem slot in the headset, okay. which is surprising because 
the headset itself is actually very, very compact compared to, say, like the HTC Vive Focus or the Oculus Quest. And it's much lighter as well. Uh, so what this means is um, they can ship a f- Wi-Fi-only version of the headset or they can work with carriers if they want to add 4G or even a 5G data card into the headset. And it doesn't have... So, yeah. So, which just goes to show how powerful uh, his engineer- engineering team already is for a startup yeah. of a size of about uh, nearly 200 people. So, so I I mean as a as an engineer myself the first thing that like makes me kind of like gives me the the chills is battery life because when you mm, have mm. hardware that's separate as you know mm. you especially hardware that's separate that's modular uh user modular like not manufacturing modular but actually has a slot and stuff usually power takes a big hit and 5G the reason 5G is so tightly integrated to the chip right or mm-hmm. either in the chip in the case of the Dimensity chips from MediaTek and the 765 and 768 mm. from Qualcomm is that power consumption is dis- is significantly lowered by having that an in-chip. And as we yeah. know, the 865 has this issue that the X55 modem is still separate. But when they yep. say separate, it's like so close to the chip in terms of physical distance that the co- it doesn't affect power consumption nearly as much as an external module would. But I'd be curious to find out whose radio they're using if they are indeed using a Qualcomm chip um, and the engineering team kind of worked around like a separate standalone 5G radio or if they're using like a, a MediaTek one or <laughs> I bet you they don't have to deal with millimeter waves. So that probably simplifies things significantly. Right, right. But uh, yeah, I, like you said, it's, it is definitely a, a, a valid concern. But uh, on the bright side, they do have a slightly bigger battery compared to the Quest or the 5 Focus, um, despite the li- much lighter weight. Um, so, so we shall see. We shall see. The unit, uh, the, the, the headset will be available in, I was told, July. Um, okay. So, do you think that's optimistic or realistic? Well, Peter sounded very, very um, realistic. As okay. in, he said July will be the latest when he sends a unit to me. And I would assume wow. that, that means that's when it launches uh, properly in Taipei, uh, Taiwan anyway. That's their first market. And they are already, already collaborating with Deutsche Telekom in uh, Germany, obviously. Um, uh, they were actually going to launch in Europe first, but Due to the coronavirus, everything got delayed because the situation over there is more severe compared to Taiwan. But hey, you got to start somewhere. So um, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I'm yeah, I'm very much look. I've, I I tell you what, I tell you what. I actually before Taiwan shut down its um, border to overseas people back in February, I managed to sneak in just before that. I remember you going there. That trip. Uh, now I can tell you that that trip was to check out peter chow's headset so i i got to play with a very early version of the headset so that's why i can tell you that yes it, it was definitely very light just as they claim on the spec sheets um i couldn't say much about the software because it was still early stage but that was for me to basically understand the their philosophy behind why they think uh, vr should go in that direction why it should be all hand gesture controlled and what's what what's how the AI powers the facial expressions or pick up your mouth movements when you're talking? 
etc etc um i personally i think this is a the right direction yeah. but it this really um in order to sell this it, it'll really depend on how they can how successful they manage to market their various services especially the wellness side to the consumers um one one particular uh service they're pitching is called magic alohas it's basically like a virtual wellness center you go uh-huh. inside um and you can do yoga you can do <laughs> meditation you can walk around a virtual mountain with people there are virtual coaches trainers uh you can do that with friends it's like peloton in vr for your uh for your well-being for the hippies yeah like extreme <laughs> hippies you know but you know what um so first of all going back to the yoga bit and whatever other activities there are you do have to buy these optional body trackers so i guess they're okay yeah it may be like the htc kind but uh okay actually no because this, it's all inside out tracking so i, I don't i don't even, yeah there's, there's still many many questions but i personally wouldn't mind having a virtual yoga instructor uh, who can track my movements while I'm safe at home. Oh, yeah. I was saying it in a loving way when I said hippies. I mean, <laughs> we love our hippies. We're in California here. Come on. Right. Uh, actually, before the whole coronavirus, I actually did yoga. I uh, I would go to yoga with my wife because she got me hooked. But uh, ever since this it's whole... It's really good for you. Yeah, Do yoga, people. It is very it's good. It's really good it for is. you. It's so good. Um, yeah. Keeps you fit and uh, clears your mind. Yeah. So anyway, um, I personally think there is potential, and uh, they they've yeah it's we shall see we shall see I don't I don't want to be uh, so, I don't want to sound like I'm dr- drinking the Kool Aid if you know what <laughs> I mean. Well, so tell me a little bit like HTC is so irrelevant these days. Sorry, I mean <laughs> the vibe I suppose is 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 important. It is. Look, I'm I hate to be that person, but. You know how much, how fond I was of HTC phones. You're and not you know alone. They, yeah. and, and I mean, Vive, I never really did the transition because the early days of VR required you to have a large space and a PC. And Expensive it's only PC. recently, right, that I've gotten into it. And uh-huh. mostly as a reviewer, it's Qualcomm has been very generous as sending us review units Good. because they're trying to get us to write about their platforms. Mm. But honestly, I have no connections, for example, with Facebook on Oculus. I have mm-hmm. no connection with, I mean, I do have the connection with HTC PR still. And uh-huh. I'm sure that if I asked them, they would send me a Vive review unit. But mm. it's just never been a priority for me with all the mobile stuff I have to cover. So, you know, I've kind of lost track of what the folks from HTC have been up to. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than Drew and and scott you know of course well i um, mean scott also left a long time ago <laughs> no i know but my point is they're locals for me i mean oh, true yeah, yeah speaking yeah. right i mean kind of i've had coffee really. with scott uh-huh. i i interviewed him through through you know the next bit stuff right and and drew you know drew is on my facebook timeline uh-huh. showing me yeah. his incredible home build in seattle yeah. and <laughs> i'm drooling all over his porsche 911 gt3 every time i see it <laughs> so you know it's like these people are not like peter or Cher who are <laughs> people i obviously know mm-hmm. were part of htc but that i never really had a direct connection with you know mm-hmm. well yeah i mean htc has its own issues uh especially financially that's no secret and that's 
been dragging on for way longer than I would like it, you know. Um, and yeah. they uh, they also have their own standalone VR headset. Um, of course. Uh, which is the aforementioned Vive Focus and Five Focus Correct. Plus. Um, but it seems you never hear about it. Like when I'm reading about VR, like when I talk to, even when I talk to like Anshell, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Um, at More Insights, it's like, it's like, it's all, you know, it's all Oculus. It's Anshel, all you know, Anshel was one of the first guys who pinged me about this whole f- where oh, this I'm sure five, five yeah. how how come this headset's got 5G, you know? I mean, you know, he's <laughs> basically like, I'm I'm going to say this as a joke because we're good friends, Anshel uh-huh. and I, but like, I swear he's a Qualcomm spy in the media, I in, was... uh, in the analyst industry. <laughs> like, I, I get, I'm, I'm joking, but, you know, it, it's like, Wow. No, I was gonna joke. I was gonna joke about him having a tent in on the Qualcomm campus somewhere. I s- <laughs> I know it feels that way, right? <laughs> yeah, but that that's why him and I talk uh, geek out over these things, and um, I I asked that question part, mainly for him, really. You know, I mean, he is he is uh, very connected because he lives in San Diego to yeah, Qualcomm, yeah, yeah. and he is he knows very stuff, into yeah. VR, XR, AR. Yes. So yes. obviously, he's going to have a lot of questions anytime something like that that's a bit of a head scratcher comes yeah, along, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so I yeah. should one thing I should mention about this headset is that it's in terms of the user experience and UI and whatever, it's nothing like the other um, VR headsets or especially standalone VR headsets out there because. Um, the main interface, it, it's not like the traditional menus you get. I mean, as far as the concept goes, it's um, each app is like a space. So, um, first of all, you can have your own vo- uh, private virtual space. Um, it's like your virtual house. You can even use the headsets to scan your real physical room. And wow. then you can invite your friends over to what would look like your real room in that virtual world. So that's kind of cool, I think. And they're actually working with some uh, property agencies in Taiwan to set up these virtual home tours for potential buyers. I mean, honestly, the the timing is perfect, right? With this yep. pandemic right now, yep. people want to do virtual stuff, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think it's, uh, I mean, it's smart. And and I'm sure that, you know, he poached some people from HTC that worked on Vive to, help, you know, to do this startup with him. There were, there were definitely many, many HTC people when I uh, visited them. That's all I can yeah. say. Mainly the marketing <laughs> people, though. But uh, And that's some people from the content side. I don't know the engineering people. I didn't get to meet them. Um, but, you know, Peter Peter gets a bit sensitive when I ask him some of the slightly more engineer-related engineer questions. Of course. I mean, but you wouldn't be doing your job if you weren't asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but like, so that I was so surprised when he told me, like, Oh, 5G, that's just because there's a modem slot. <laughs> he said, no big deal. You can tell people. <laughs> he literally said right. that. Uh, <laughs> nice. But anyway, yeah, so um, um, uh, content-wise, it's a very interesting approach. Look, I think the way the easiest way to put it is Peter is trying to make the, uh, at least in terms of his vision anyway, he's trying to make the smartphone of VR, if you know what yeah. I mean. No, I totally understand. He's trying to make Popularize it. it and make it, more accessible right accessible yeah for sure he wants to make this thing that people will pick up on the regular with minimal fuss you don't have to fiddle with ha- uh, the controllers you don't have to calibrate them every time or connect them anyway and you just put them on and you can very quickly see your friends 
that way. It's like picking up a phone call, almost. Not quite there yet, but, you know, that's the way it should be. Yeah, no, I think I'm all for it. Yeah. I think it's an interesting development, and I'm happy that you're giving us the lowdown from kind of this insight. Mm. You know, when you went to Taiwan early February, I was like, hmm, something's up here. Like, I know you enough since we worked together in Engadget to know that. <laughs> you know, I know we, we, we both share our love for Taiwan, mm -hmm. and any chance we get to travel there, we will, yeah. which is far easier for, for you to do since you're in Hong Kong. Yeah, I could swim. I could just swim over there. Yeah, right. I, I can't <laughs> wait to get back there at some point, um, not you know what? too far in the future. Yeah. Because you know I what? love it and I miss it. Now, Computex would be happening right now. Right now, yeah. Soon, right know? now. But so, <sighs> it's been, if all goes well, it'll still happen in uh, at the end of September. But I'm... I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, look at look at what's going on with IFA, right? Like it's happening, <laughs> but we're looking at a thousand people at a time. Currently, the German authorities are not letting foreigners in. So unless wow. they change that, I do not see how. And they're allowing eight hundred journalists. They're grandfathering people who've gone more than two times. I think so. For me, you know, who's never been to IFA because it's always at Burning Man. Burning Man's canceled. Oh, right. It's my chance to go to IFA, but uh -huh. I'm not going to go because. Good. They're never going to pick me as one of the 800s. Well, oh, and yeah, yeah. even if they did, I might not be qualified because they might not let us in from the US. Mm. So who knows? <sighs> Sad times. It's, it's difficult. I mean, look, I, the reality is I'm being a reasonable human, an adult, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking to myself that this is going to be, it's going to be an entire year of no events for a lot of us. Yeah. And that's unfortunate but that's okay and and we're just gonna have to live with it i mean i'm still as i was telling you know every single one of my guests has agreed i'm sure you agree too we're still getting all the devices like there's a ton of phones launching yeah everything is still happening it's i mean the economy is certainly slowing down and it's impacting the industry mm. but this is why i want to talk about the next subject Ooh, do you see that segue oh, nice yeah. very nice which is the one plus z rumor and that interview mm that Pete Lau did, right? right? Another Peter. Um, so many pieces. Exactly. So, so what's your take on that? Did you, you read the interview, and uh, we know there's been, a, there's been rumors of OnePlus 8 Lite slash OnePlus Z mm -hmm. forever now. What, 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 what's your takeaway now that you've read the interview? Well, to be honest with you, even before this interview came out, I knew about this. Um, it's been a long time coming. I think this project's been going on for quite some time. At least, uh, I think that the the rumor came out around January, so that was CES time, right. and obviously OnePlus was there. Actually, um, I don't know if you saw them there. Yeah, well, I was there. I went to the. Uh, I think I might have seen you there. All right, all right. You were at CES this year, right? I was. Uh, I actually arrived at the event late. Um, I think I saw you in line when. I was leaving and you were coming in, or I was you were leaving and I was coming in, or maybe it was someone else from Engadget. But I know that <laughs> anyway. I played with the McLaren, whatever McLaren thing. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, apparently they ended the t uh, relationship. You know, I that? saw that. Right? Wow. What is up with that? I don't know, but I I know that McLaren. I know what it is. Well, I know what it is. Well, McLaren it costs a lot of money to pay Robert Downey. Ah, uh, that's also oh my god. Okay, <laughs> remember wow. HTC? There's okay. our tie-in. We right? have a lot to talk about then. So, but anyway, okay. let's focus on the started. one, the OnePlus uh, Z or Z, as you Z. guys call Sorry, it. Sorry, Z. You can say Z. <laughs> I'm Canadian. I should be saying Z. Yeah. So you know, this year it's all about five G, 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, you may disagree, but... No, I totally agree. Actually, I'm gung-ho about uh-huh. it. I okay. feel that I want to see more $500 phones right. and below with the cheaper chips, like the yeah. 765 and 768 and Dimensity chip, because I'm a big believer. Like, you have to understand, Richard, mm-hmm. that in the US here right now, you know, rah, 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 5G carrier speak, but reality is we have most of the country blanketed by T-Mobile low band right now. Mm-hmm. It works. It's there. Mm-hmm. People can benefit. It's better than LTE. It penetrates better. gives you better data speeds. They're not spectacular data speeds, but I have seen the future and mm-hmm. I'm living it with my OnePlus 8 Pro mm-hmm. and I want everyone to be able to experience that even down at $350. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's all about making 5G more accessible after the initial launch with all those flagship phones with the Snapdragon 855 or 865. So now we're seeing the, uh, I guess the latest one's the 765. So it's like a premium mid-range. 768, actually. Ah, I just sorry. Announced okay. Yeah, whatever. Right. It's close enough. It's just a bumped spec version. Right. So, you know, if you're launching a new phone this year, if it's not 5G, um, or actually put it the other way around, if you're not... If you're still launching a 4G phone, there it's just lacking that appeal. We've, we, I think we're getting to the stage where um, it, it's hard to differentiate, and carriers yeah. carriers need as many 5G devices that they can offer to consumers to let them pick. Um, and the only viable way to do this is to go um, enter the uh, to lower the entry barrier, which is to say um, you have to put 5G in mid-range phones. Now, um, I actually asked Pete about this, the uh, OnePlus C uh, rumor back at CES. I think I think I can say this. And he did, obviously he didn't confirm or deny, but he, he threw a question back at me and, say, and said, um, well, what else are we going to do, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean, in, I totally agree. In the because we speak in Chinese, so I got to make sure the context is right. But uh, I think what he meant was, um, it's that's the the only real proper way to go forward, to get to win the market. You know? Yeah, I agree. They've always been trying to do the premium market uh, these days, anyway, because you know their prices have gone way up. Um, I mean, they've succeeded. I hate to say this, but I don't feel that the OnePlus 8 Pro, which is what I feel is the, you know, the one to get this year, is overpriced for what it is. Yeah. You know, it's still competitive, but... Uh, it is fantastic for what it is. Yeah. But it is not, in this current climate, particularly with the pandemic and the economy and people suffering uh-huh. financially, a lot of people, uh-huh. I think this is not where the pricing should be. I think where Apple is right now with the SE with all of its caveats, you know, the mm-hmm. old screen technology and whatever is where we want to be. Mm. And my biggest problem right now is that the carriers in the US, I mean, Verizon is an exception because they have millimeter wave only right now with future rollout of low band. And so all their phones have to be custom made for millimeter wave, which makes them instantly expensive. Mm-hmm. So forget Verizon, but AT&T and T-Mobile both have low band 5G mm. and T-Mobile is very extensive coverage in the US now. Mm-hmm. And we're not seeing any Dimensity-based product or 765, 768-based product. Every single carrier 5G phone, even the cheaper ones, are still seven, eight hundred dollars 
because oh, they wow. have a, a, a Snapdragon 865 right. in them with an X55 modem. Uh-huh. Because, and this, I think it's not just that the chicken and egg. I think like you look like Oppo made the Reno 3 5G or whatever mm-hmm. that has the Dimensity 1000. The phones exist. It's just that the US carriers are so on board with Qualcomm that until Qualcomm makes a 600 series chip with 5G, which <laughs> they're rumored to be working okay, on, okay. we're not going to see $500 phones with 5G in the US. And I might eat my words here. Maybe the Google Pixel 5 will reach maybe that 550, 600, which is still too high in my opinion, but it's better definitely mm-hmm. than the 699 or the, the OnePlus 8, right? Mm-hmm. But we are in a weird state where the carriers are kind of in bed with Qualcomm or the other way around or where they are not really trying, like, I understand for Verizon because they're betting so much on millimeter, but the other carriers, they have no reason. They, they could use a, a cheaper chip right now because they only need really need low band, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just weird to me that we're not seeing a proliferation of these $500 phones in this economy. And so I'm wondering if maybe it's just slow to react, like, because it's, they were taking a little bit aback. Like they were planning to do it in the fall for like the holiday season. And like this pandemic is accelerating the need for these phones at that price. And we're not seeing that yet, mm. but it's coming. I'm, I'm hearing from everyone I've talked to, like everyone at MediaTek, everyone at Qualcomm, everyone in the carriers and everyone in the phone manufacturers that these $500 5G phones or less are coming to the US this year. But I don't see it. Like I do not see it happening. Like it's like, I feel like it's empty promises at this point. So let me ask you a question. You as a U.S. uh, resident, so to speak, uh, and you know the U.S. market, um, can you, on top of your head, can you think of any notable phones powered by a MediaTek processor that were available on a U.S. network? Most of them are P60, P70, Helio-based MediaTek 4G phones that are sold to prepaid um, uh, in fact, even the mid-range is owned by Snapdragon 600 series and 4G still. Mm. Like if you look at the best sellers right now in in mid-range, really the ones that we're recommending to people so they can get a warranty. I'm not even talking about carrier phones. I'm talking like if you buy a phone from Amazon or Best Buy, like uh, that has all the proper unlocked. support for US carriers, all the bands yeah. unlocked, but has all the bands, right? Even Verizon support uh-huh. for 4G. The, right now, the only players are Moto with the G series. Mm. And TCL with their brand new 10 series. Right. Anybody else that you're going to buy out there unlocked is going to be not as well supported, mm-hmm. um, not have all the bands you need to s- successfully use the US carriers, mm-hmm. and is going to have a me- maybe have a MediaTek chip. But I have not seen a single MediaTek device on the high end of the MediaTek spectrum sold by a carrier in the US. It's all prepaid, mm. it's all P60, P70 mm. at best. And yeah, the reason I ask is because, as you know, U.S. carriers are notoriously difficult to work with oh when it comes God. to compatibility, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and Pete told me the same thing. You know, he told me how difficult it is to to enter the U.S. market because of you know of that high entry barrier, so to speak. And so, as you said, MediaTek phones they only exist in the low to mid mid range well i would say a, those are the ent- entry level markets really and in my memory um all, all those p10 or whatever helio phones they they don't have that many bands they they actually have very well, that's few. the problem right yeah so so that's one thing and secondly 
I would assume that maybe MediaTek-based phones more more likely fail those carrier tests when they ch- check for compatibility, maybe? I mean, I mean, the reality is that there's a lot of phones that are sold, unlocked, available with support in the US that whether they're Qualcomm or not, mm-hmm. or MediaTek or not, mm-hmm. that don't support all the right bands. Okay. Like, if you talk to Sasha Segan. Yeah, PC Mag. Yeah, PC Mag, who's the, as I like to call him, quote unquote, the advocate for all the bands, uh-huh. right? Because he fights really hard for manufacturers to understand that ignoring band 71, 600 megahertz mm-hmm. on T-Mobile, which is a 4G and a 5G band for them, mm-hmm. is is a major sin because that's the one that's the most prevalent in terms of broad coverage mm. in more uh, low-density areas. And as you know, the U.S. is highly low-density right. as a country, right? Very spread out. So, so if you are outside in the boonies on a T-Mobile phone, you better have 600 megahertz band 71 on 4G or forget it. Mm. You're going to have zero signal or mm. you're going to be roaming on AT&T for a while. Mm. And that's not good. So, so he is a strong advocate of that on one hand, but on the other hand, I think it stifles in a way the the fact that in urban settings you don't really necessarily need that right so it's 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 very complex because the country is so big and you know I'd, I'd love to hear more about this i mean not on this podcast because we still have a lot of other topics but i'd love uh-huh. to hear your take on what china's doing with their size of their country and the fact that some parts are very low density and how they manage to do the coverage um because in the us this is like there's a lot of it that is you know bs politics and mm. And, you know, carriers in bed with whatever it is, all that <laughs> stuff that we all know about. But I also think there's some genuinely really difficult technical challenges mm-hmm. because also we don't necessarily, like, we're trying to refarm, like, 600 megahertz is television. It's it's former analog mm-hmm. TV. Mm-hmm. So we're refarming bands that basically are available now. But But because of that, we have to use these odd frequencies, right? Like, it's not... Some of it is historical mm. and on, and some of it is technical mm-hmm. that, that presents obstacles to this widespread adoption of 5G in the mid-range. But I do feel like, you know, MediaTek constantly tells me we have all the bands, we can support it, it works, we're ready, we've learned that lesson. I, you know, ever since the P90 and the G90 and all that, we are ready. And I don't really see the carriers picking that up somehow. Let, let, I mean, not even, there's so few brands like maybe just one or two brands that have picked up the uh, Dimensity chip. Yeah, I mean, Oppo is probably the only one I know right now. The Oppo Reno uh, Oh, sorry, 3, I take that back. I take that back. Um, Honor, you know, the Huawei sub-brand or whatever oh, you yeah. want to call it. They just announced a new phone, I think, today or yesterday. With a MediaTek chip? Wow. With, with it, yeah. So it's the first Huawei phone, if you want. Uh, that's not but don't used. they have their own 5G solution through Bidon So that's what I'm telling you. Kirin and that's stuff? what I'm telling you. The Honor is making a mid-range phone or entry-level phone or whatever you want to call it. I think it mid-range, mid-range is more accurate. Honor is making a mid-range phone using a non-Huawei processor because oh, they, want to, they want to try a bit of everything. Now, they always do that. It's interesting. They do that, but not, uh, but not with someone else's processor. And for the first time, they are kind of slightly breaking away from their parents to try this uh you know third party processor so very interesting yeah. times but still they need more clients so to speak as a media tech needs needs more buyers you know what we see more of unlocked in the US or even carrier supported in the US than we see media tech is exynos oh 
in the mid-range, like a Samsung Galaxy A51 yeah. is sold by carriers. Yeah. It's an Exynos-based phone. Um, a Moto 1 action, not sold by carriers, but widely available uh, with support from Moto at Best Buy and at Amazon and at Walmart even, huh. um, Exynos-based. So in fact, I would argue that Samsung's chipsets that are meh you know, comparatively to Qualcomm, definitely, and possibly even meh compared to what MediaTek has to offer these days, are more prevalent in the official channels in the US right now. So I guess they have very good relationships with both the carriers and the uh, manufacturers. Well, I think it really helps when it's Moto. Moto is never going to omit the bands for the US, mm, right? Right. Um, Although they, they have in the past, but those were phones that were basically sold to South America and, mm. and Latin America mm. that were extended to be sold to the U.S. market because, you know, there's a population of people that travel to South mm -hmm. and Central America and go, oh, look, this phone is really cool. I'd love to have it in the U.S. And then they mm. go back and then they can buy it in the U.S., right? Um, so those generally don't have the bands for the, like all the bands for the U.S., but then you see some of the Moto phones, even that Exynos space ones, have the bands. And then, mm. of course, Samsung can make anything they want, right? Because they're so big. <laughs> yeah. So if Verizon says, make me an A51 with an Exynos chip that works on our network, they're going to do that. Mm. And they did, you know? But I want to go back to OnePlus because we have a lot of other topics. And I want to kind of get you feel for what do you think we're going to see when this thing finally launches? Do you think we're going to see a Qualcomm-based or MediaTek-based OnePlus Z? Oh, you know, I'm willing to bet that they're going to stick to Qualcomm. Me too. Um, OnePlus itself, even though it's under this whole um, BBK umbrella, and which they never admit for some bizarre reason. Oh my God, they're so weird right? about that. They, um, it's a small, relatively sm small brand that has to make, uh, that has to be really good buddies with Qualcomm, this, you know, giant platform provider for them in order to have access to their chips and tech support. You know, compared to the, what, Samsungs and whatever out there, OnePlus is still a relatively niche player in terms of volume anyway. Yeah. So you have to imagine how, how hard you'd have to convince someone like Qualcomm to say, hey, you know, we're worth... Um, you can call it investment or what or whatever. You gotta, you gotta take care of us too, you know. So, yeah. I'd be surprised if this new phone is not Qualcomm based. It has to be Qualcomm. I mean, the only thing it can be at this point, in terms of unless like they have not announced a six hundred series five G chip, and if they did, it would still take until the fall to see phones. Mm -hmm. So I think this is going to be seven sixty five, yeah. but have like aggressively priced. Which yeah. is possible. It is possible. But yeah. it's still not what we're talking about. Like in my ideal scenario, right? I'm seeing like a $350 OnePlus phone with 5G. And that would require Dimensity 800 or something like that. You know, you know? You know what? Um, this reminds me of the LG Velvet. Like that's oh, yeah? that, that kind of approach, you know? Not quite Yeah, a, but the Velvet is so expensive for a Snapdragon 765. But where, what, when you say expensive, are you looking at the Korea price or what? Cause, well, yeah, right now that's all we have to go buy, right? So, You're right. It's probably highly subsidized by the carriers there, right? Well, there's that. And, you know, Korean prices, um, it's a bit like looking at European prices. They're, yeah, they're, right. they're always way higher than how much you'd pay 
back in the US or Hong but Kong. But it does seem like a phone that's made for a premium audience, right? Like, uh, like whereas I think, you know, like, okay, here I give you an example. Hmm. Poco F2 Pro <laughs> yeah. is very cheap. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's still glass and aluminum. So my point is that you can make a cheap phone that's glass and aluminum, right? And so the question is, can... It seems to me the velvet is more of in the premium category, like just not glass and aluminum, but glass and aluminum, like really, really designed and really premiumized. You know what I'm saying? That's the feeling I get. I'm still waiting for my units. Uh, if it was like one of those phones where you have to really see in person and touch in person to know whether it's actually premium or how premium it is. Because um, to me, uh, premium can also be about marketing, branding. They serve, oh, you know. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think OnePlus will, no matter what, OnePlus will still try and spin a at least a mid-range phone. I mean, I'm totally on board. It's just that you know, I remember the OnePlus X, and I'm just like, there was so much I loved about that. It still felt premium. It, it cut some corners, but it was, it, it got, I don't know. It just didn't get the love it deserved. I think I feel like, and, and I. Know that the Z is not that phone. The Z is really meeting. I think the Z is exactly what you said. Qualcomm, so we still have all that performance and spec uh, that OnePlus is known for, mm. but back at a price point that makes more sense based on OnePlus's history and the current economy, but still with 5G. Whereas what I want to see is the next gen of that. I want to see, now that I've read this Pete Lau interview, is I want to see what OnePlus does beyond the Z. Mm where they go like at $350. Mm-hmm. That would be great. I, yeah, it's really hard to tell what, what I, you know, it, it, they've been very quiet about this whole project. I mean, partly to do with the coronavirus maybe, but also, you know, they're not the only players in the mid-range 5G phone segment. I, no. I'm, I'm assuming this is going to be a 5G phone as well. I mean, BBK Group in general has a lot of really, Interesting stuff going oh, on right now. Oh my god! Like I, I with Realme, I mean, and with yeah, I just received another Realme Oppo phone and Vivo. Like it's amazing. Like I love. I'm really loving where BBK is going in the last few years. I, like I'm excited about it. Like I love my Oppo Find X2 Pro. Yep. That I reviewed for for hard hardware. It's it's you know I miss I wish I wish I had wireless charging. That's my you know that's the big thing <laughs> I knocked it for in the review. But I feel like man, that phone is like like there there's there's premium for you. That to me, this, like, yeah, I would you call... put them side by side. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're both aluminum, beautifully made, well, well designed. But that Oppo feels like a baller phone. That's actually what I said in my review. Like, it really feels like. Well, the OnePlus has know, a glass back, um, whereas the Fine X2 Pro it comes with a, either leather a, or ceramic, a yeah. vegan leather. Or, That's right. or ceramic yeah i would yeah i always uh, i i always make a joke about the Fine X 2 pro being the one plus eight ultra correct that's totally <laughs> what it is i mean if you i mean it's incredible how much part sharing is going on there too right the camera sensor the display yeah. i mean everything um no it's a great phone i i they knocked it out of the park i just right. wish it had wireless charging and had the bands for the u.s here's a crazy thing hmm. you want to hear something insane richard Go on. My P40 Pro, uh-huh. my Red Magic 5G, <laughs> those are all not US phones, okay. and yet they all work on one of the two, AT&T or T-Mobile 5G. Okay. They're not officially supported, but they work. Hmm. 
yet somehow Oppo's Find X2 Pro does not. Uh, and I'm like, okay. why? Like, so close. No, no, no. You're hang so on, close. hang on. Do you know whether you got the European version or whatever? I have no idea. I can tell you the model number. They have. Uh, I have they do. Yeah, you do have to check that. But it's interesting because, you know, like a lot of what I'm finding is since I get a lot of Chinese phones, uh-huh. I'm finding that a lot of them support one of the low bands for the one of the U.S. carriers. Mm. So it's it's because of Qualcomm, right? Because Qualcomm is trying to be as universal in their 5G support as they can. Mm. And it's very exciting to me that, you know, we're at a point where we were at with 4G, where if you import a cool phone from Hong Kong mm. or Taiwan mm. or Singapore or something, some market that has Google Play services, but is a Chinese phone, uh, essentially, other than the software, you are going to potentially get 5G support now, mm. which is really cool. You yeah, know? it is. <laughs> So the the one that surprised me the most was the P40 Pro, because that's not even a Qualcomm chip. And get this, Richard, mm. it works both on AT&T and T-Mobile 5G in the US. Huawei does have... A f- Huawei has so much know-how with 5G. Yeah. A lot of people just have no idea. I did a speed test uh, back in Shanghai just late last year. Um yeah, the <laughs> the Huawei phone definitely had way faster 5G speed than I think at the time I was comparing it with the Vivo Next 3 5G. It's one one of the um one of the first 5G phones out there. And uh yeah, there was a significant uh difference in terms of speed. And I mean, you know what's even more crazy? The P40 Pro that I have is like I don't know, like whatever the global model or something. It works on Verizon 4G. Nice. Very nice. Do you know how rare that is for a yeah, Chinese yeah, yeah. phone? Like, I'm talking like OnePlus, of course, and Moto, all their phones support Verizon mm. just fine because they're certified for it. But like, uh, you know, a Kirin-based <laughs> phone yeah, yeah. on Verizon, I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if I get like a letter from Verizon saying, stop using this SIM card on a Kirin phone. You're going to take our network down or something, you know, because they're so paranoid. Of course, they wouldn't send me the letter because this is not my SIM card. <laughs> I, you know, it's a review unit SIM card, so I don't know who's getting the letter. I'm joking, of yeah, course. Yeah, disclaimer: I am a Verizon employee. No, you know, just so you know. Oh, that's right. You have you 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 have to we have to give that disclaimer. Sorry. No, I just. Oh, we know. trash Verizon so much on the show. I'm so sorry. No, you can. We can still. Uh, yeah, we as Engadget can still trash. Uh, I know you it, are. Yeah. You have editorial freedom. <laughs> yep. I'm well aware. That's right. But you do have to. You do have to mention it. And thanks for doing that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so you know, I think look, this is exciting. I'm excited about the OnePlus. Mm-hmm. Um the I think the the 8 Pro was great as I said to you before the podcast started as we were uh prepping. I feel that still now 2 months or almost 2 months after reviewing the OnePlus 8 and 8 Pro, I feel like if you are going to buy a phone right now from OnePlus, skip the 8, buy the 8 Pro and spend the money. Or buy the 7T, which is still for sale for four ninety nine, mm. and the reason for that is it's cheaper by two hundred dollars than the eight, and doesn't have five G, which I don't think you necessarily need in this. Just because I'm gung ho about five G and its availability, it doesn't mean you necessarily need it to survive. Right, it has all the bands, including that weird seventy one band for T-Mobile, the, the seven T, so that you're good for that. And more importantly, it has a better camera system because it has a proper telephoto and the macro is done by the ultra wide and not by this 
oh, let's add a two megapixel crappy macro because we can say we have three cameras because we dropped the telephoto, which is what the eight did. I, I really feel it's a better buy right now if you are on a budget and you were either that or wait for that Z or Z or eight light or whatever it's going to be. So called, the OnePlus you know? Z will have to be, um, in terms of pricing, it'll have to match the 70 right now. I expect it to be lower. It has to be 449. With 5G though. Yeah. Mm, we'll see about that. That will be a challenge. That could be possible. Or f- at least match it. Because yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. At least match it. Like even $50, like, you know, $50 less would be would be really gravy though. I mean, hmm. well, let's we'll see how it happens. If they can get some subsidization. I mean, it might be safety in numbers, right? It might mm-hmm. be they sell so many in India. They sell so many that they're, they're heavily, like maybe they're taking a loss initially on it, you know? I don't, I don't know. It's not their business model. That was how Xiaomi started off, you know, they're losing money oh, I know. whatever, but well, I don't know. Yeah. You know what? So, hey. Um, I was going to say, since we're talking about BBK phones, I, um, I reckon we should definitely talk about the Vivo. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, and then I want to try to see if we can rapid fire through some of those news items just to keep <laughs> oh, the yeah, yeah, audience yeah. informed. Because most of it is just announcements. It's, we don't have to go in depth. Um, so, yes, uh, what I was going to say is I we covered it a last week because I did the podcast on Thursday, which was just the morning of when we saw the, the official news of the Vivo X50 Pro with the gimbal, right. a main camera. But we didn't really have yet the meat, like the actual like details of what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, being based in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. are going to educate us. All right. Tell us all yep. what this is about and how awesome it is. So the Vivo X50 series uh, will be launching on June 1st. Um, but uh, Vivo, as always, they've decided to share almost all the full details beforehand. In this case, we're looking at the so-called micro gimbal camera. That's how I would right. translate it uh, from the Chinese version. So we're looking at, uh, basically, it, I, the way I would describe it is it's optical image stabilization on steroids. It is, totally, because the sensor is actually moving with the lens now. Yeah, that's right. So, um Basically, it's adding on top of existing uh, OIS uh, uh, mechanisms, which is based on magnets. Um, so they added this double ball bearing uh, stabilization frame, whatever you want to call it, to, in order to suspend the entire module, the main module anyway, the core of it, so that it's able to t- t- do these apparently plus or minus three degree tilts. So that that's why that's you're pretty able to, impressive, right? So hence this mini micro gimbal structure within the phone. So you can actually see in the videos and the animations how that main camera uh, is able to look around like an eyeball. It's yep. it's actually kind of cute. It is huge though. If you look at it, like the, that camera is actually much bigger than the other two cameras right below it. Uh, but the um, you know, seeing is believing. So Vivo shared some sample footage that they claim were captured using that same camera versus one with traditional OIS. And it does look very, very impressive. Uh, I saw the side by side. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm gung ho. I think this is cool. Mm. Uh, my question last week to my guests was, do you think we're going to see this become commonplace on a really high end? beyond vivo potentially proliferating into the bbk ecosystem and then eventually you know somebody else out there doing it or do you think it's still going to be 
niche because it's so bulky. Well, from what I'm seeing, it's not necessarily that. Mm. I mean, relatively speaking, right? It's not huge. It's more but about you're saying yourself. It's still big, way bigger than a regular mechanism, right? Look, I mean, I think this is a big deal. I think this is like a, a real breakthrough in the um, mobile camera I agree. space. I feel the same. I way. mean, yeah, yeah. You, you've got the Zoom, um, which is uh, so Huawei is doing that with the P40 Pro Plus with the real ten times optical zoom. So that's yeah. the one breakthrough here. And, and I think this Viva thing here is the other breakthrough. Now, uh, I am confident that this they got this technology from a Japanese supplier, which, of course, means other people can get hold of it. Okay. Yep. Um, but That's cool. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I know, I, I think, at least within the BBK group anyway, they will be um, cross-pollinating this technology uh, across the uh, oh yeah the they always do right this is kind of magic it's like which is great you know because that means chances are it'll end up on a slightly cheaper model uh, of a yeah. phone so we'll see we'll see i i really can't wait to try this myself me too i i can't wait i don't have a very strong relationship with vivo pr mm. unfortunately so i'm gonna really try to bug them about mm. it but uh, they've never sent me a phone yet, so um, even though I've been trying. They're lost. But I've got a really good relationship with Alex at, uh, at Oppo now, thanks in part to you, I believe. Um, right. And oh, so good, they've good, been, good. you know, they, they were gonna, they were my sponsor for MWC, even though it was canceled. Uh, that was very exciting for me. The first time, yeah. So Well, you've made the connection anyway. You've made the list. So congratulations. And now <laughs> I've finally reviewed an Oppo phone officially on a major publication. So that was kind of It is a nice phone. I'm still using it as it my main phone. fantastic. Yeah, you told me yeah. that's so cool so speaking of japanese suppliers uh -huh. for that gimbal uh sony's uh, got a couple of announcements this week the the one that's kind of boring is that the sony xperia one mark, mark II, II is coming july 14th mm -hmm. i mean no july 24th sorry not 14th uh-huh 1199 us dollars coming to the s market sorry july 24th and you can pre-order on june 1st mm. And if you buy between the before the 28th of June, guess what you get? You get the WF-1000XM3, everybody's favorite over-the-head noise-canceling headphones, mm -hmm. which you're not going to use because you're not flying right now. But you <laughs> might use because your kid is screaming. Well, at least in Hong Kong, anyway, it's, life is kind of getting back to normal. So you can wear that on the, on the train or whatever. On the subway. Yeah. So there you go. So that's some big news announcement. But speaking of cameras and gimbals and Japanese, I'm super excited. <laughs> I know it's not a phone, but I'm really excited about the Sony ZV or ZV1 I... uh, vlogging camera, which is basically an RX100 Mark 29, <laughs> uh, whatever the number would be now. Yeah. Basically, they listen to the feedback of everyone who uses an RX100 as a vlogger mm. and optimize this camera for vlogging, which is a long time coming. I mean, almost everyone I know who uses uh, some sort of a high-end point-and-shoot for vlogging, mm. you know, puts a little bit of, uh, of fur on the microphone yep. to, you know, like they glue it on Huge. with a hot glue, <laughs> uh, et cetera, to, to, you know, to, to, to prevent wind noise. Mm. And this thing has that as an accessory mm -hmm. from Sony officially, and it has all the features you expect from a vlogging camera. Now, it's... You know, still, I would love this to be Android so that you can directly connect to, you know, 
Instagram and post your content from there. But I think this is a step in the right direction. And knowing Sony's expertise in imaging, I, I want to get a review on it. I'm going to ask for one. This is going to be super cool. My only concern is that why does it start from 24 millimeters? I would have thought you want something less if you're going to be reach, yeah, reaching. Yeah, you're right. That's my concern. So if you get hold of this camera, uh, I look forward to your feedback on that. I would be happy to take your questions. You know that, Richard. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, I'm going to try really hard. I have a good connection with Sony these days, so mm -hmm. hopefully we'll we'll make that happen. Uh, so those are a couple of news items. Another couple of news items real quick about Google. Some more rumors about the upcoming Pixel phones. Uh, the Pixel 4a that has been leaked to death, we know everything about it, mm -hmm. is supposedly launching on July 13th. And so that... You know, that's a rumor. Mm -hmm. Don't don't hold us to that. But I'm excited about the 4A because I loved the 3A last year, but it felt dated in terms of its design yeah. because it had a chin and a forehead. Mm -hmm. And I feel that this 4A, everything we've seen of it so far, you know, it's a very affordable and basic overall phone with all the goodness from Google, mm -hmm. but it does look modern, right? It, it One of the things that I hate about Android phones versus iPhones right now mm -hmm. is that they don't have an even bezel around them. Like iPhones actually don't have that little bezel. They, they have a lot of bezel. If you look at yeah. an iPhone mm -hmm. 11 mm -hmm. of any kind, it has a lot of bezel, but it's so nicely uniform around the edge that it looks really attractive somehow, really balanced. And the renders of the 4A have shown that it might be very similar to that. And I'm really excited about that. Um, so I'm, you know- I think the bezel- I think for Android phones, the uh, the bezel thing you mentioned, it's mainly the Pixel phones anyway. It's, yeah. yeah. No, for sure. I'm just looking but at my... But I still my... think, like, if you look mm -hmm. at the average, like, you know, mid-range phone, like, Don't they look always at have a bit of a oh, chin, okay. right? Because they, fold, they have yeah. to fold the display, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The cable, right? So you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not even. Mm -hmm. and, and it bugs me because this looks almost like there's still a bit of a chin, but it's so much more even yeah. than... I don't know, it's a proportions thing. It's like you look at a car and you go, <laughs> this looks good because of the proportions versus, yeah. oh, this looks frumpy. And that's my thing yeah. with a lot of the Android phones versus this. And then there's rumors of the Pixel 5 not having a Snapdragon 8 series phone, uh, chip, right. but having a 765 or 768. And honestly, I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, look, Google cannot reach the price points that we're expecting from them because of their quantities they sell. Mm. I think that's a lot of what it has to do with. Like, I don't think they're competitive because the pricing is too high for what you get. And they are now scaling down the specs to match. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I think I don't need an 800 series chip in my daily driver. Like I'm fine with a 700 series chip. I'm not a gamer. If it's responsive enough, I'm happy. Like, Sure, now I'm, you're going to say I'm used to the OnePlus 8 Pro now with, you know, 120 hertz and, and all that. Uh, I'm probably going to suffer when I go back. It but. depends on the price. Ultimately, it's determined by the price. You're absolutely right. So are you excited about the Pixels? What's your Hong Kong perspective? <laughs> so we still don't have it officially, you know. We, we can only, are you kidding? Yeah, we can only wow. buy them as uh, imports. Oh, yeah. man. Um, who who do that when you have the plethora of choice you have? Well, you know, we we are spoiled. We are spoiled. You'd have to go to. You are so spoiled. You'd have to go into one of the shops that I brought you to. Remember, um, oh the guy my God, Simon. So much yeah. fun. Yeah. So yeah. he, yeah, he sells a lot of Pixel phones too. Yeah. 
He can get you anything, that guy, huh? Uh, if I pay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, but the Pixel 5, I'm just worried about the leaked designs I saw with that fugly camera. Oh, my. Yeah, the camera bump. Of- I hope that's not true. Anyway. Uh, well, we've pretty much seen that every leak or rumor about the Pixels have come true, unfortunately. Yikes. Remember the bathtub on the Pixel 3 XL? <laughs> yeah. The bathtub notch of doom. Um, so, look, these are a couple of rumors, yep. listeners, about the 5 and the 4A. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping an eye on it for you. I'm I'm handpicking them. If I see something that I feel is kind of likely, I, I'll mention it in the show if I don't think it's really that interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't. So consider this interesting. Uh, related, uh, more very US-centric, the Razer for Moto, which has been a bit of a disaster, oh, yeah. um, is supposedly going to get either a refresh or version 2 mm. in the fall that will have 5G and much better specs. So presumably a 765 chip so uh, and a 48 megapixel main camera. I see that the Razer got to a point where they had to do a buy one, get one free deal. Pretty much. What went wrong? Oh my God, I don't know. Because look, here's the thing. This is the biggest mystery for us at US media. I went to the launch in LA and... Every person, if you ask anyone who was that, Michael Fisher, Mr. Mobile, uh-huh. you know, all these folks that were there with me, uh-huh. we were all super excited about the Razer. It felt so sorted, uh-huh. so well made, mm-hmm. so solid, so like the, it felt like the first folding phone that wouldn't break if we dropped it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, this was, this was coming from the fold, right? We okay. had some, we, we, we knew we had to be delicate with the fold. Mm-hmm. And we were very gung-ho about it. So we all wrote these great hands-on stories. Mm-hmm. And then the thing launches. And first of all, their reviews program was a nightmare. So there were delays, first of all. Uh-huh. And then they didn't give us review units. Huh. Like handful, I think they sent out 25 review units to the 25 biggest pubs. And they were only able to keep them for something like 48 hours. Uh-huh. Wow, 48? And Come on. I still, I keep, like, I have a very good relationship with Moto. They send me the Edge Plus to review. I wrote it, the review under embargo. Like, they like me, but they've been very clear to me, even though now I write, you know, for some other pubs and just my podcast. They said, Miriam, like, we... We're not, you're not going to get a razor. We don't have any, and we're not going to send you one. And I think, I mean, that's also the side effect of what happened after those 25 razors went out, which I think that the initial production had some serious issues yeah. because these phones, I played with one. They did not feel the way the hands-on phones felt in wow. this, in November. Like they, they, I think those ones we played with were hand-built, right? And those mass-produced ones just broke like a lot of people had display issues and and i believe them because i've seen them and you the noise the hinge was making so i think moto you know the reviews were terrible and that's why they at that point even if they had more review units they weren't going to send them to us right (laughs) they they screwed up and then so now they're kind of pivoting of course they're trying to sell them but they're pivoting to this you know, narrative now by by feeding us leaks and rumors. I think <laughs> about this upcoming mm-hmm. and the 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 strange piece of news in this story from from the Verge is that it's not going to support millimeter waves. So this can't be a Verizon exclusive. Verizon would mandate millimeter wave, which obviously would come makes the phone way more complex. So there's one of two things that could be happening here. Either this is going to be sold unlocked or through other carriers, maybe AT and T, or here's the crazy thing. It's going to be a Verizon exclusive, but it's going to coincide with Verizon's launch of low band mm. and only support low band. Mm. So I, that's my gut feeling, and I don't know if I'm right, 
But look, I hope they fix whatever issues because it is a such a great retro thing. Like a lot of people have dismissed it now because of these bad reviews. But for those of us who played with it in LA in November, whenever it was, there was so much promise there, you know. And of course, the Z Flip's the one to buy. Like, mm. there's no doubt about that. If you're gonna spend that kind of money, no doubt, just buy the Z Flip. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Wow. What a shame. And speaking of speaking of Sam, of Samsung, mm-hmm. uh, we've got some leaks on the Note 20. John Fingers at Engadget wrote this. What's your take on this Note 20 uh, design leak? It looks looks pretty good to me, actually. Uh, I don't know. That's that's that camera. I mean, yeah, sure. This is an an unofficial render. Yeah, at least the front side still looks basically the same. Um, I don't know. It's not doing much for me. It's just like. It's just very generic, right? It looks generic now at this stage. Um, and the camera bump looks really thick. And you know what I really hate about all these phones mm-hmm. is that you, if you tap them, if you don't have them in a case and you put them on a table. Oh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? Oh, my God, it's so annoying. I kind of, well, if it weren't for the case on this Oppo Find X2 Pro, we'd have Correct, the same that's exactly right. So yeah. I guess it's okay because I do use the case. <laughs> I think I use the case on my OnePlus 8 uh-huh. Pro, so I don't feel it either. Yeah. But you know what? On the Edge, the Moto Edge Plus, I didn't have a case. Mm-hmm. And that camera bump is a good three millimeters. And it was clonk, 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 <laughs> clonk anytime it was on my table. It was terrible. Oh, dear. So I don't know. I mean, <sighs> it's, in fact, it, it's, a, it's a little, uh, I don't know. Is it, isn't it a little early for this kind of leak? Or maybe not. Well, it is the it, end of May. Yeah, that's true. And it could be coming out as soon as uh, or late July, right? So, mm. I mean, I you're just, right, it is a little early, but... Yeah. I, I'm just waiting for some something mind-blowing. Yeah, I want something a little more you know, substantial. Apparently, Samsung S20 isn't selling that well, even in Hong Kong, so... Oh, wow. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's the economy. Who's going to spend $1,000 on a phone right now? Well, it was launched... Well, I, I, I don't know. They they launched. Yeah, I guess you. I guess you can blame. I mean, when it finally went to retail in the US was the beginning of coronavirus lockdown, right? Yeah, I just I just, rem- I just I mean, remember Hong Kong, but yeah. here it could not have sold well. I just remember that the briefing I had in Hong Kong was done in small groups because of COVID. So, well, good luck to them. I mean, look, it's Samsung. They'll be fine, no matter what, right? What I what I will say, I, I do. I don't know if uh, actually, I'm, I'm I'm wondering if you agree with me here, but it seems like the Note tw- Note Ten can take better photos than the S twenty. Yes, which is I agree, hundred so percent. Well, here's the big problem, and we can spend a couple of minutes on yeah. this, but I feel like the biggest problem with the S twenty is that it doesn't have a real telephoto. Yeah, but never like you, you know the magnification optically on that lens mm. is like it's it's using it's using its like high pixel count to to magnify. It is a telephoto in a purely digital way, and I think that's one of the biggest issues the S twenty series, not the ultra, but the regular, is that it doesn't have a real telephoto. I'm actually just talking about the main camera as well. You know? Yeah, the main camera is 12 with with a very large pixel size. Mm. You'd think that would work. Yeah. Like that, right? But it didn't for some... Yeah, and they had to re- release an update which was supposed to improve things, but it didn't. Here's my theory. Samsung had improved and iterated on a known or very well-known hardware imaging stack since the Galaxy S8, right? Mm-hmm. 
pretty much, or even the S7. Like I think that the modules they were using were improving a little bit, but they're essentially an, an, like the same 12 megapixel f-stop, OIS, mm. um, you know, the dual autofocus thing. They had really, you can see the, the hardware are the same up to the Note 10, mm. and the software keeps improving, right? Mm. And so then with the S20, it's all new hardware. And I think they're not, their, their software is, is not optimized yet. Like it's going to take two or three generations of that hardware for them to finally get good photos out of these phones. And my biggest problem is the processing. So much sharpening. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. And that's why I think the, 10, the Note 10s are better. Because the Note 10 has software that's been generation, like years in the making. Whereas the software on the S20 is brand new to accommodate this new hardware. And they just don't know how to tune it yet. And yes, software updates could fix that. But we know what's going to happen. You know, like Samsung wants to sell phones. Mm. It, you're kind of doomed if you have an S20 and you expect the camera to ever be great. You're stuck with that, yeah. I mean, maybe in two years, right around the time they stop making hard uh, updates for the phone, you'll get a decent camera experience, mm. you know? <laughs> but I hate to say that because I think that it is an achievement that the S20 in the US unlocked, all three of them support 5G on all the carriers. Uh, of course, millimeter wave is only on the S20 Plus and the Ultra. So if you're on Verizon, you're really benefiting there. But, mm. but the S20 regular works on T-Mobile and AT&T out of the box. No question asks. It's certified by them. It is probably the best unlocked 5G experience on any phone in the US today. So there's some good things about the S20, you know? Mm, fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, we should probably wrap up. Do you want to tell the folks on the show where they can find you on the internet you can find me on twitter i'm at richard lie uh, that's richard and l-a-i and i think that's pretty much it i am on facebook but you know it's facebook is facebook let's talk on twitter <laughs> and you want to tell them where you write and all that in case they don't know <laughs> yeah yeah sure so you know you, you can find my uh, articles on engadget and i do write um well i'm in charge of the engadget chinese as well um if you can read chinese feel free to support us over there too so yeah that's yeah you should <laughs> uh richard is like I consider him one of the godfathers of mobile journalism. Oh, no, like no. you're just uh, seriously, you're you are an icon. I love that you have so much access out there in Hong Kong, and you seem to have access in all the right places: mainland China, Taiwan, you know, Japan. You have good connections. I'm lucky. And, yeah, I I've been very fortunate. And you've been doing it for a long time too, like me. So it's like you know, you not as long as you. Relationships. Nowhere as long as you. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think you're in a unique position with your relationships and geographical location to really get some really good insights. I wish I could read Chinese because oftentimes I see translations of your Engadget Chinese articles that resonate, you know, with me because it's like, I like to know what's happening in other parts of the world than the US, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So read Richard's stuff, folks. <laughs> And you know where to find me? I'm at Tanker on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character Tankerl, but without the vowels. And uh, Twitter is a good place to comment on the show and like discuss the podcast with me since there's no standardized way of commenting on podcasts. Instagram is a great way to look at photos I've taken of the phones I'm reviewing, photos taken with the phones I'm reviewing. And then finally, there is, of course, a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash mobiletechpodcast. You'll mostly find unboxings there, but every now and then I do a video like about like a review or hands-on. There's also a lot of accessories. I really like true wireless earbuds, so I have a lot of them in there. 
So check that out. And then if you stumble on the podcast by accident and you just want to subscribe, mobiletechpodcast.com. We're also on all the major platforms. That's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, the great podcasting app that's cross-platform. Check those out and subscribe. If you have the ability in the platform that you like to rate or review the podcast, please consider doing that. And the other thing is, you know, this podcast is a labor of love for me. I, I do it kind of more as a hobby than anything. And so if you want to support us, there's a donate link in the show notes below. And I say us, is me, you know, me and, and my guests over every week, every time. So consider donating. It's just a PayPal link. So I'd uh, love, uh, love to uh, get some donations if I can. And finally, I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible.com has been with us since the early days and has been the kind of official sponsor of the show. And, and I love them for it. You know, if you like books, there's just no other option than Audible for audiobooks. If you really like to read and for some reason you can't read because maybe you're a delivery driver and you're doing those DHL, FedEx, UPS deliveries in your van all day. You want to listen to a book instead. Well, there you go. Audible's got you covered. They have incredible selection, lots of books, many of them read by the authors. And so none of this really would matter too much, I guess, if it wasn't for their partnership with us. And if you want to support the show and still be a part of Audible, you can do that. We have a special deal, 30-day free trial. You get to keep a book at the end, whether you stay or not. It supports the show, and the uh, and, and we love it. And I say again, we as me and my guests. So consider joining Audible, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech is the URL. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. If you go to that and you join Audible, you will help us. So consider doing it. Audible rocks. Thanks, Audible, for being a longtime sponsor of the show. And thank you, Richard, for being my guest this week. Thank you for having me. Always fantastic to catch up with you and geek out, you know? Yeah, it's so <laughs> nice to nerd out together. I know. We'll definitely have you on again. And, of course, folks, there'll be another show next week, so stay tuned for that. And until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.